Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So... I know you guys ultimately just want to sell more. You want to make more money and I get it, but there's so many strategies floating out there today and we happen to be using four very different but all highly effective strategies across three different businesses that we're running. And we want to talk about what those four strategies are so you can decide what one you might try in your Um, own business mm -hmm. and how it could potentially work for you. Yeah. So let's cover the three businesses that we'll be talking about first. And then we can kind of break down strategies. So spoiler alert, the first business is this one, right? It's Boss Project. It's the one that has been around for four years, e-learning, online education. It's our full-time gig. It's the thing that supports our families. It's where we are the majority of our time, I would say, when we're focused on something like business. It's not where we are the majority of our time, but when we're focused on business, this is the one that does get most of our business attention. Absolutely. And then yours. Yeah. So I have a health and wellness company that I run with my husband. He is full-time in the business and I am all my extra hours when I'm working and based on when I have spare time. So it is actually, although I tend to refer to it as a health and wellness business, technically we're a network marketing business and the majority of our income does come through a network marketing company. But we're doing things a little bit different than the typical network marketer. And we'll dive into that today. But we're with Young Living and we sell primarily essential oils and other health and wellness products. Yeah. And then the third and final one is my kind of new endeavor that's really only been around since August of 2019. And it's clay earrings and accessories, mostly just earrings at this point right now. So those are the three that we're kind of breaking down. And I call it my Sunday, Monday business. That's when I work on that business. So really, (laughs) but really like quite literally my Sunday, Monday business. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start with maybe some of the approaches that you guys are probably the most familiar with, and we'll break down how we're utilizing them and how they're working. So the one is probably the most, I want to say worshipped almost, like people think this is the ticket. If I do this, then my business will explode. And that is using now have you guessed? <laughs> that is using Facebook ads and running things on Evergreen. Mm-hmm. The elusive money while you sleep, passive income, throw money at something, and then you make a lot more money on the end. 
which it can be. Okay. So that's the cool part is this approach in some instances has made us anywhere from two to 20 X ROI on the money we are spending on Facebook ads and paid marketing, but basically entirely Facebook ads. There are other avenues you could be using Pinterest ads or Google ads. And I think there's going to end up being some other networks ultimately, but those tend to be the primary Facebook making up the vast majority of online marketing. It's also lost us money. Absolutely. We have lost significant amounts of money utilizing Facebook ads before. It's not evergreen. Yeah. In evergreen. And it's not guaranteed, which Mm -mm. is why of the four that we are talking about today, It is the hardest to master and it is ever evolving. It's the hardest to master continuously. Yes. So because it's ever evolving, meaning literal, the platform of Facebook is changing. So algorithms change, the way things are set up change, the way that they decide to like allow you to market changes and you have no control over that. But then the market itself of your particular industry is also changing your business offers change. I think it's the most that's the least controllable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, can provide you some amazing results if you're in a position to get them. And I know that sounds kind of like, great, like, thanks for that clarity. But I know that there are some people who try to utilize these strategies right out of the gate and then decide that they don't work for them ever. Mm-hmm. But then there are people who, like us, we waited two plus years before trying our first Facebook ad, three years before trying Evergreen, and we saw various results at that time. Oh, yeah. We continue to see various results. Mm-hmm. And what's frustrating is like, even though we have previous numbers to base a lot of things off of, because things are changing, like mm-hmm. ad costs are on the rise. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at some point we were getting 88 cent leads on certain things. And now it's like, I flip out if it's under $1.50, but yeah. we've paid as much as $5 a lead and hundreds of dollars per conversion. Right. Well, and that part isn't the conversation I want to have sure. today. I just want to make sure that we're like, I don't give a shit what you pay for a lead if it turns into a conversion. So like, that's not like you could pay $300 for a lead. And if it buys your $10,000 mastermind, you are winning every day. Mm -hmm. So like, don't take that from this. But what I want you to hear is the vast change. So like what she's talking about, the same numbers from like selling the same thing or trying to get the same free lead for something has changed drastically. Yeah, the main point of what I'm saying is like, because the platform changes, there's less predictability. Yes. And what's also being done on a much larger scale than some of these other strategies. So it's hard to say that if we were doing the other ones on a bigger scale, maybe it wouldn't be as effective as Evergreen ads have been. But it is a strategy and it is one that can work. Yes. And I also feel like it's one that 
is really hard to keep in-house sure. for very long. Yes. Now, whether you have someone on your team who's running your ads for you and it's in-house, like, and it's that person's dedicated role, great. Like if they're a pro at it and they understand it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe that you can train someone on ads and they can learn things and they can learn the strategies if that's the only thing that they're focused on. But you as the business owner being the sole runner of your ads, even if it's the thing that you have known like the back of your hand, it's very hard to be that person and do everything else that's needed in your business. It is a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I know plenty of people who've gone on to be experts in this area and they continue to run this inside their own business. But I think at some point you see a lot of value in having someone manage your ads who's also experimenting with other people's ads because they're learning so much because they're also running other campaigns outside of what you're doing. And so I think biggest risk, biggest reward potential. Yeah. With a big question mark on there. I know. Because, and I feel like this could be an entire back and forth conversation in and of itself. So I'm never one to say like, no, don't do it. It's too risky. Like it's not going to work about anything in business because you could prove me wrong tomorrow. And I hope that you do. Like, I love when stories like that happen. I don't have that feeling about it. And it's definitely not one of those things. Like just because we've lost money on it before, I feel ill about them. Like we continue to run them every single day in our business. Mm -hmm. So like, it's clearly something that we've invested a lot of time, money and energy on, but it's just like, it is, I feel like the biggest risk for so many business owners, because I think that we are convinced that maybe we could like learn something really easy and just run some ads to collect some leads. But if you don't have stuff set up on the back end properly, like what are you really spending money for? Or like there are a thousand other versions of that well, scenario. And in that terms of tech, this is also the most complicated. So complicated. We ran our first, and you guys can go back hundreds of episodes ago. We ran some podcast episodes that truly broke down like when we first started running ad campaigns. Like literally we ran ads for a program for the very first time. And then we recorded a podcast episode on the results that we got and that we were managing it ourselves. And we even still mess it up then. And like, I feel like lucked out to get results because it was two years ago and it was a different time and space in Facebook ad land mm-hmm. and marketing land, like this entire industry in general. I don't know if that could be replicated today. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've I seen other people do other things that are crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on. And if we want to come back, we will. But sure. I think just knowing that that's an option, it tends to be a sexy option. Now let's talk about an option that we see a lot of business owners taking and one that we continue to do in our business, but less often than we used to by a significant amount. And that would be live launching launching to an audience. So you could obviously launch to a very small audience and that part doesn't matter and grow that over time. That's not necessarily what's going to make or break this strategy. No, but it is probably, well, I don't know. I think the last three are all pretty time intensive. So yeah, I mean, I think everything is time intensive. It just depends on like your level of skills and the times that you have to put into it. But Live launching doesn't have to be time intensive. So I want us to all remember how we started 
we started with a live launch. Literally, the very first digital product we ever sold was sold on a live launch. And we didn't know what we were doing. And so we kept it simple. And like I did it actually before I even met Abby. I had one tiny live launch before I met her. I had like less than 500 people on Instagram, less than 60 people on my email list. I used it to grow my email list and to get people to like come to this webinar and then buy a thing. And it went great. Like I loved it and I got addicted to it. And therefore we continue to use live launching in and of itself, although multiple iterations of it throughout the years in our business. So it can be done. Like I think live launching is truly one of the best ways to like kickstart an audience growth and dip your toe into selling something live. If your expectations are realistic to the reach that you have right now. Mm -hmm. But every live launch we have now has been built on the backbone of that very first live launch where like less than 12 people showed up to. So I think it can have amazing trickle effects. Totally. Now, in terms of like what this literally looks like, I mean, it's usually a combination of social promotion and back-end emails. And a lot of this can be pre-scheduled today. Like so much of that can be done in advance. The thing that I think is the differentiator, at least today, is that while you can pre-schedule out the nose, for this to be the most effective, people want to see you. And mm-hmm. so you going live on Facebook, you showing up like live on Instagram live. stories, yeah. you giving behind the scenes, you like talking about setting this up before it even goes out. All of those things are going to lead to live launching being more effective for you. Mm-hmm. Because if you pre-scheduled everything, it's not to say that you couldn't make money. Absolutely. We've... Oh, yeah. We've done. We've run promotions where we had zero live components, but it appeared to be live because Mm -hmm. everything was timely in terms of social and email. Mm -hmm. Because this wasn't a evergreen funnel where someone could come in two weeks from now and they're going to get their own launch. We had everyone going through the same sets of emails across a series of days or weeks or whatever. But that being said, the times we have made the most and the times I have seen other people make the most, they are in it. They are Mm -hmm. showing up in a big way. And as much as like, I mean, I'm even thinking about my other friends and not only are they showing up on Instagram stories, but they're DMing people and having intimate conversations. Depending on like the cost of the program, they might even be jumping on the phone and figuring out if this is the right fit for people. There's a lot of opportunity for that to continue to increase the more personalized you make it and the more you show up as yourself. Yeah. But but we've also I want to like give you guys some yeah. ideas too. Like we've live launched with really out anything to sell, but in order to just like build hype. Sure. So like when we like joined forces and redid our website, we did a major live launch where it was like a celebration of the opening of our new brand and we gave away stuff from us and other product people and had like a week-long celebration. And we did like an actual webinar of like a tour of our new website and like, here's what we're going to be offering. And that's when we were doing services. Mm -hmm. And so I think people sometimes look at live launching as this, like, I'm not ready or I don't have enough for that, whether it be audience or offers or whatever, but truly like you can live launch with anything. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. 
just build hype and like get practice. Well, and I think the difference between these next two strategies is they're technically still variations on a live launch. The strategies within them are just more specific. So is there one or the other that you feel like diving into first? Well, I think talking about mine a little bit kind of goes hand in hand with live launching because you can use these same strategies during a live launch, even if you have a digital product. So talking specifically with launching with urgency or low stock. So we've seen some people, I'll share how I do this with a physical product, but we've seen some people use this sense of urgency in the sense of surfaces going like you can only have so many clients, right? So you literally couldn't sell thousands of one service if you're giving that one-on-one attention. And so they're live launching, but a service, maybe there's only five spots to fill or whatever it may be. So you can take this kind of same idea. But what I've been doing with my earrings is making a stock. So I literally like make the stuff first and put it up for sale. And however many is there is what's there. And then I just promote the heck out of it. So teasing what's coming, going live on stories, doing stuff on Instagram and letting people know like how many of what's going to be available and just really hyping up a time frame of when the shop's going to be open, knowing that there's not a lot of stuff. So you need to like hurry and come get it. And then that stuff sells out, updating my audience about that. So therefore, from my very first launch, when there was like 18 items, I have now created a culture of people who know you cannot go to my shop every day of the month to find something to buy. It's just not a thing. I'm going to launch two times a month. And in those two times a month, that first hour and like couple of hours of restock being open, stuff is going to sell out. And so I now have trained my customers to get used to wanting to know when the next restock date is and then being fast. And so it's just this culture of like, there's something and then there's not a lot and I need to go buy it and then it's done. And so it feels really good for me since it's a side hobby, side business for me that I'm not selling something every day because I literally don't have the time to maintain that, that it's short burst of windows so I can make stuff, sell stuff, close it, and then like ship it out and then kind of get a refresh on making new stuff and then being in this Mm -hmm. business. And so it works for my life and my flow. It's not going to work for everyone, but it feels really good. Yeah. And I think she's downplaying the culture aspect because it's (laughs) so funny. So Emily and I both have our own personal brands and What started out is like literally just us trying to show up as individuals that we weren't trying to sell anything at first. Emily started sharing more about her daughter, started sharing more about parenting, a lot about what it was like to raise a child and da, 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 da. Well, the next thing you know, she's just sharing what she's working on for fun. Because she's just sharing her creativity. So it started out with paintings and then she started selling those. And then there was this big gap because, I mean, life was happening and you sold a house and bought a house and moved in and da, 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 da. Well, I think what's been so powerful about your story is that you feel so reachable, so like a part of the community And people's voices really matter. So like if they say they want something, you're like turning around and making it. And there may literally only be five of that something, but because people feel heard, they love it. And then I think the natural side effect, which is just kind of funny to me, is a lot of your customers are our peers on 
<laughs> the education side. And because of yeah. that, they all have their own following and mm-hmm. they, because they love you are just sharing their orders because they're excited about their new earrings. <laughs> yeah. And so your audience is relatively small in that neck of the woods, but because the kind of people who are buying are natural sharers, mm-hmm. I feel like your audience has continued to grow with people who are also interested in buying and they're not just like watching what you're doing. Right. Yeah. It's been really, it's a fun experiment. You guys know that I love experimenting and learning new things. And of course, as a three, I'm going to turn everything I touch into a business. And so here's where we are again, but it is insanely fun. So like, it's insanely fun to create, but also like looking at trends like that and really trying to pick apart like, what is going on here is so fun. Well, I think it's interesting because you're not the only product-based business I know that launches in this manner. I think for a lot of other reasons, even if you're not making a product, just because of the cost of production for a lot of these things, especially if you aren't making it, like our friend, Rachel Aline, her shop, she does like a lot of mugs and apparel and I'm drinking out of one right exactly. now. So it's all very seasonal. And so she's only launching at certain times of the year. But what that means for her is she is selling massive amounts of stock right away, like very much yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. In a lot of these other businesses, you may have seen this happen like early on in Emily Lay launching her planner, like mm-hmm. she would sell out really, really quickly. And now she's built a business where she wants to continue and maintain sales. And so there's still this big hype right at lunchtime, but she's not going to run out right. of stock. Right. And so she's built up a, a cash flow in business to afford that. Right. Well, and for you, it's literally a time thing. Like you don't have time to hand make every piece, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So Emily Lay, like when she first launched, she kind of created this culture that she was going to sell out. And this was like on a massive scale. Yeah. Point. Now she's at the point in her business where that's not necessarily the case, but there's still a big hype around launch time, which is mm-hmm. really fascinating. But I find that this is typically, even though it's not necessarily great to quote unquote sell out because then there's all these times when you can't make money where maybe right. you buy. I do think there's this culture where it creates a sense of urgency that it's actually mm-hmm. super effective. Yep. You could potentially make more money than if you always had stock available. I agree. And I think especially because my thing is handmade. Yes. Like I literally cannot have hundreds of things in stock all the time. And I would lose so much money if stuff doesn't sell. Like I can't repurpose it. I can't do anything different with it. And so I think because, you know, I've heard that saying too, right? Like it's bad if you actually go out of stock. But I think that that's more for like, if you're ordering stuff from like market or whatever, mm-hmm. like then you need to quote your stuff and figure out your quantity better. But I can't just like place an order for something else. No, you're literally making it in the manpower and the hours. Like for you, the majority of your cost is your time. Absolutely. And so for a lot of businesses, that's true. But then in terms of like, how do you go from the way maybe Rachel's launching to the way Emily is launching? The biggest difference is capital and audience size. Like... If you don't have the audience to support a massive restock, then you don't restock that much. Right. Which is what I'm on the journey right now. And you and I have talked about, I started with 18 and then I did 25 and then I did 30 something and then 40 something. So I went from, I think my previous launch was 45 and then my next, my most recent one was 72 pieces. And so I'm just trying to figure out like, what is my threshold that I can still sell out? But what's funny, and I say sell out, that's not actually what's happening. I want to be clear on that. So what's funny though, is no matter how many items I have in restock, 99% of the stuff sells within the first 24 hours. That 24 hour window is shortening. So at first it took like 
30 something hours for everything to sell out where there maybe have been like one or two pieces left. And then the next time it was like 24 hours. And then the next time it was like before 10 PM. And my most recent launch, it was like, I think 50% of the stuff was gone in the first hour. And then by the afternoon, we were at like 70 or 80% stuff was gone. Mm -hmm. And so that part is happening quicker. But no matter how many pieces I have in a restock, the next day, there are still three to five pieces left. No matter how many pieces I listed, <laughs> which I just think is really funny. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that holds up over time. Because what? how many restocks have you done at this point? Five. Five. Okay. So I'll be curious post-holiday, like how yeah. the trend continues. And obviously, yeah. I think going into holiday, because now you've built a fan base. And now mm -hmm. people, I, I'm... I'm guessing slash I'm certain that the people <laughs> that love your stuff right now are going to want to buy it for friends and family for holiday. Right. And so yeah. your sales are going to jump. But then what will it look like at the beginning of next year? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's all an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, so the last strategy that we are seeing, I think, come at the forefront of a lot of people's docket of mastering in 2020 um, is something that you've been focusing on for at least a year in your business. Yeah, and that's all focused around the power of story. So I think for me specifically in my business, the way I have most effectively sold is by walking the walk. Because in my business specifically, it's a health and wellness company. If I'm not actively doing the things I want my clients and customers to do, then, right. then why would they listen to me? Right. And it's hard because, you know, there's days I want to go get a freaking Sunday and I want to <laughs> eat my face off. But then I'm like, is this going to be the most effective thing for my business and for my health? And so I think you have to strike a healthy balance. But in terms of like actual sales, yes, I'm telling my story. And that has built a very loyal following. Like I have anywhere from, you know, 30 to 50% of my audience paying attention to what I do every single day, which is... Yeah really Banana. unheard of. Mm -hmm. But then how am I converting that into sales? Because I had a hard time figuring it out at first. Because before, when I started this business, I made it very transparent who I was working with, what I was selling, what was working for me in terms of product. And people were coming to me because they were interested in the product. And that worked. And I'm not saying that's an ineffective strategy. It absolutely can be effective. But since I've been on my own health journey and have started focusing more on weight loss, the company I work with is not a weight loss company. Right. They're a health company, but there's no exercise videos. Mm -hmm. There's a couple weight loss products, but I don't even necessarily recommend those to people. Yeah. And so how was I going to translate my personal journey into sales. And that was where I was struggling. And what ultimately ended up happening was I took someone else's course because I still believe in education. Yeah. And she just kept talking about like crafting your offer and then having kind of this elusive sales strategy. And so number one was the offer. So I had to figure out what can my offer be where I meet people where they're currently at. 
they may not have a clue what I'm selling over here, but they want the same results that I'm getting publicly. They want to lose weight. They want to eat better. They want to move their body more because they see those things in me. They see what I'm doing over there at all various stages. Like some people want to lose five pounds and some people want to lose over a hundred, but they still resonate with my story because they see how far I've come and that I haven't stopped and I'm continuing to keep going. And so I had to come up with an offer that meets them where there are. So while they get access to the products I'm selling, they're also getting access to things that are technically a value add that are not something the company I work with provides. It's something I put together that's my personal offer. And so that's what's differentiating me from other people in my same market because I don't see myself as competition with other people in my company because people buy because of you. It still makes a difference in conversions if you are going above and beyond what the company itself is offering. And so... I offer that for free. Like I don't charge more than what the products cost. And so upfront, I'm making not a whole lot, honestly, mm-hmm. really. But I'm getting people in on the ground floor that hopefully adopt this as a lifestyle and will continue right. to reorder. And so I'm looking at lifetime sales and lifetime value than an upfront blip in what I'm making. And so right. in terms of conversions, I've been putting out posts that describe my results, that talk about what I've accomplished. But then I let them know that like, they can do this with me and they can Mm -hmm. do this too. And it makes people ask questions and they want to know like, how are you doing? I'm not necessarily saying, and this is my meal plan and this is how I do blah, blah, blah. I have that stuff, but it's technically behind like a paywall, so to speak. Like you have to be a member to get access to this information. And so people say they're interested. Well, a lot like I started my original service-based business, I now turn this into individual relationship building opportunities. So while I'm technically using social media to grow my business, all my sales are happening in personal conversations. Yeah. So I'm sitting down and like the last big kind of blip I did, I had a post that went out. I had, I don't know, maybe three or 400 likes on it. And I had... 25, 30 solid leads. Like they're very interested. I'm not cold messaging people. Like they have to raise their hand and say, I want to know more or I have an interest in this. And some of them don't even comment. They'll personally message you. And so like other people can't even necessarily see what's happening. Well, you start those conversations and then ultimately I let them know what my offer is and that Mm -hmm. my offer includes not only what they want today, because I'm meeting them where they're at, but what I believe they need for long-term success. And with that, I've converted on average 30 to 50% of my hot, hot leads. Yeah. And I think that's really incredible because I mean, the average network marketer maybe sells a kit or two ever of whatever company they're working for. A super what do they call them? A super recruiter. The average super recruiter recruits 27 people 
in their lifetime as a business owner. I've signed up personally somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 people. And that is like way beyond the average. And I would say 10 of those people were in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. Nice. So like that is way more than the average bear. But what I'm doing is not... It's not salesy. It's not sleazy. And it's effective. And people are super happy. Like, I'm not trying to sell people something they don't want. I want to sell people like motivation and accountability. And all of the other stuff is just like gravy on top. Yeah. No, and I think anything can be taken from the four of these strategies that we've used in these three different businesses. Because on some level, we've used all of these in our big business here yeah, at Boss Project. Totally. Like on some level, we have used all of them. We've had the personal conversation. We've live launched. We've had a sense of urgency. We've done ads. We've done evergreen, literally all of it. And so I think like the cool part is, is that you get to try on different things that feel good to you mm-hmm. and you get to see how it sits mm-hmm. and how it converts. Because I think those two things are the two biggest pieces of metrics that I want you looking at when you're trying a new strategy to sell more. Does it fit into your lifestyle? Does it fit into the way that you want to do business? And does it convert? And so ask yourself, like of the things that you're doing right now, can you answer yes to both of those questions? And if not, then maybe taking a peek at some of these strategies, trying one on for size and implementing it to see how it feels and how it works. If you have any further questions about these strategies or you have an idea of your own, of a tweak that you want to do, we would love to continue the conversation over on Instagram. Be sure to DM us at Boss Project. We love, love, love watching or seeing your tags and seeing your shares on what you're doing when you're listening and what takeaways that you have after you listen. So go share that so we can have the conversation over there. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.